Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's unfortunately one of the other tropes that haunts women in career breaks or career downshifts is this idea that because they've shifted to make room for family life, that is now the only thing they should focus on and that they don't have the right to paid help or help at all. And the reality is no one should be expected to work 24-7, right? And no one should be expected to work and do work and keep themselves healthy, and, 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 all alone. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost, or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey there, thank you for clicking play and joining me for another episode here on the podcast. If today happens to be your first episode that you are joining me, I want to first say thank you for choosing to hang out with me and my guest today and welcome to my community. But if you're a frequent listener, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for clicking play and for your shares. And also just for you taking your time to send me the DMs, to leave the reviews and to let me know how these episodes land. I hear from so many of you and it is truly meaningful. I am grateful when you take that moment to put words onto a screen, clicking enter and sending it to me. So as always, I'm grateful for this community that we are building together. This doesn't exist without you and your shares and your comments. Today's conversation is such an important one and one that truthfully, I wish I was having the first time I had a year off work or the second time I took the year off work. And as women... So often we get stuck on these kind of hamster wheels or these treadmills of just keep going and doing, and we forget to step off of that and pause and look at where are we, how are we doing, who am I? And this piece around identity is something that we're talking around today. So I am sitting with Neha Ruck. She is on a mission to update the perception of stay-at-home motherhood in America, infusing it with ambition, 
dignity, growth, and potential. She established her groundbreaking independent media brand, Mother Untitled, in 2017, in the early days of her motherhood journey. Today, Motherhood Untitled is the digital destination for progressive, ambitious women who have opted to focus on motherhood for a life chapter. Neha is a rising thought leader and sought-after speaker in the world of women, work, parenting, and identity. She has been interviewed about motherhood career pauses for Forbes and Oprah Daily and was featured on the February 2022 cover of New York Family Magazine. This year alone, Neha spoke alongside Eve Rotsky and Christine Michelle Carter about the motherhood tax in the opening panel for the WIN Summit, on listening to yourself at the annual Hey Mama, Strong Like a Mother conference, and on redefining success at Mother Honestly's Mother, the Summit. Neha's daily affirmations and mindset shifts are shared widely. Many recent posts have over 9,000 shares on Instagram, and she also hosts a weekly live called MU Pep Talks. And I love watching those talks. Neha's professional career began in 2006 at the outset of social media and motherhood. She received her BA from Skidmore College and her MBA from the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University. She immigrated to the United States from Mumbai, India when she was four years old, grew up in Massachusetts, and now resides in Manhattan with her husband, their two children, and their dog, Coconut. Let's go into today's episode. Neha, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for our conversation. You and I have actually already sat together once on your Instagram space, and we've had such good conversations. But I always like to start with a bit of a tricky question that tends to stump people a little bit, which is, tell us three things about you. No, I love that question. First of all, thank you for having me, and I'll get right into it. So I was born in India and moved to America when I was three. My high school life was really shaped by trying to fit in in a very small town outside of Boston that was predominantly white. And I think it created a really rocky and turbulent time. And and I sought out solace by by really parting from the linear path. And I took a year off and and taught and traveled in India. And that year was so catalytic for me um, in coming back to myself. And ultimately, I think that that period in my life cultivated self-trust, which has now been able to shape my ability to step into motherhood, embracing what's right for myself and my family right now, which for me was for, you know, five or six years of career pause for family life. And that confidence and self-trust has really shaped Mother Untitled and the platform and why I want to make sure that all women can feel that sense of confidence and clarity in non-traditional paths. I love how you so clearly share that this coming back to yourself. And Mm -hmm. it reminds me so much of how noisy so many parts can be or so many seasons in our life. The noise of what motherhood should look like, the noise of what it means to be in a career as a woman and how it can be so easy to get on the hamster wheel or the treadmill and just to keep running without that going inwards and exploring what is it that's working for me? What is it that I need? What's going to be my authentic truth? And and to actually follow through with that, which is what you're saying, like to trust myself. And let yourself be quiet to figure out what is right for right now. Mm. 
What does mother untitled mean? So it means two things. One, it's what is life like when you part with your career title for our community of ambitious women who are making conscious choices to lean into family life. We are often making the choice to part with our career path. And identity is often, we as a culture, attach a lot of weight to the organizations we belong to, the career titles that define us. We get a lot of worth from that. And women who would decide to refocus a chapter of their life onto family life and shift away from those titles do face this identity transition. And Mother Untitled, when I designed it, was meant to be a digital oasis for those women to step into and really be able to find more camaraderie and clarity and confidence in this untitled space. And then the part two is that I really do believe that the black and white titles of stay-at-home and working mother are antiquated. And one of the best gifts of this time in history and the stage of life is that there is a vast gray area in between. And I think if we can embrace that gray area, it allows women to more fluidly lean into what's working right now without trying to box themselves into these antiquated notions that really do us a disservice. Yeah, these ideas and beliefs that we're defined by something, it's this all or nothing. Our brains love to have boxes to understand things and to make things really clear and defined. And you're already talking about something that I know so many women and mothers struggle with, which is that change in identity after having a child. And I wouldn't want to miss this part because I think our lived experiences are different in terms of even what that early postpartum the stage looks like in Canada, we get 12 months of, Mm -hmm. if you are a full-time employee, 12 months of supported maternity leave, you're not having your full salary, but there is this possibility to take 12 months and to receive some benefits from that, or you can stretch it out over 18 months. But in the US, that looks really different. It does. It does. And it creates an unfortunate amount of pressure for women to make a choice you know, oftentimes I have women reach out to me, not even six weeks postpartum saying, I think I'm feeling like I want to stay home. And of course they are. They're still in many parts of their body and their minds healing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll say to them now, you know, take the time, take as much time as you can and keep revisiting that decision for yourself. But women are challenged to make a lot of important decisions in a very short window of time while their bodies are still recovering. You know, they're deciding childcare, they're doing the cost equation around their salaries, childcare, their family household income. It's a lot of pressure squeezed into a very vulnerable period. That identity shift that comes when you're also now suddenly responsible for another human and gleaning so much joy, as well as making sense of who you are and what you're capable of doing now with someone else in your in your purview, that process is unfolding. And being able to take the space and time to make sense of what's important to you right now and why is something that we have to carve out for ourselves when we're not given the support and the space to do it.
Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. I'm hearing these barriers that show up for women in this space, the barriers of the cost, the financial implications, barriers in terms of even communication. What does this look like for our partnership? Mm -hmm. barriers in terms of identity and the one day down the road, if I want to re-enter and what that looks like in my profession. There's so many. And then of course that identity piece, which is like, how do I define myself? What does this actually look like? And I think so often let's start at the identity piece because of the boxes that our culture loves and the sort of stereotypes and the archetypes that have existed and haunted us. Honestly, we have these very static views of what each of these choices would mean. And I think that unfortunately then, so let's take 
the case of the, and, and I really don't like the phrase, but the stay at home mother. So if a woman feels called to pause and says like, you know what, I'm not ready to go back at three months. And my husband and I, or my partner and I have had calculated decisions and decided that this makes fiscal sense for our family. Then they get hit with the, well, if I make this choice, am I then inheriting this antiquated title that comes with all sorts of stigmas about what it means to be ambitious, what it means to be traditional, what it means to be feminist, what it is. And and so, Mm -hmm. you know, we are sitting at an interesting time where we do have the opportunity to re-examine what all of those words actually mean. And that's what I would tell anyone who at any juncture, whether they're choosing to pause or whether they're choosing to downshift or whether they're choosing to return to work fully, is that you don't have to accept the stigmas and the tropes that come with the choice that you're making, right? You get to say, what do I and my family value right now? What is the choice I'm making or we are making for our family? And by definition, if those things are aligned, it is an ambitious choice. It is a modern choice. It is a fluid choice. Mm. And you are allowed to recalibrate and reevaluate that often. And that's the other thing when we were talking about women who are forced to make these decisions in a very truncated amount of time postpartum is that we should know nothing we decide can't be reevaluated and recalibrated often. And you should come back to it often. Whether you choose to pause, whether you choose to downshift, whether you choose to return, we are allowed and should as both individuals and families during the season of parenthood where so much changes, come back to our these decisions and give ourselves permission to do that. I love that, Naya. I just love that fluid piece. And from a psychological piece, from a mental wellness piece, I talk about fluidity and flexibility, that mm. we need that to be well in our lives, not the fixed and the rigid. Because I'm thinking of a lot of the women that I work with, the mothers that I work with, or even sometimes the fathers that come into my office thinking of the heterosexual relationship, then the challenge is both of them, my mind is racing. I have so many thoughts with you. Um, The one hand is that it's like, well, this is what we're doing. This is what we're always doing. And that doesn't work. But then also both partners have these implicit, inherent beliefs and biases about what it means to be the woman taking a pause. Mm. And if we're not examining both parts of that, that in the relationship is where it gets really sticky. Yes. And there's so many layers of that, right? Because there's the financial side. We would Mm -hmm. always say, you know, in the case of a two-parent household, The biggest pitfall that happens is when we make decisions without proper consideration and communication beforehand, right? Because in being able to openly discuss and align on why are we as a family making this choice, both feel invested in that choice as the right choice for your family unit, as opposed to one parent deciding to stay at home, right? Because I think that's where if we walk into it not feeling aligned like a team, then we are less equipped as we navigate the day-to-day to be able to ask for what we need, right? And so when we go in saying, okay, we are together saying that one parent is going to pause right now and here's why, it aligns with what our family goals are. And here's 
how it makes everyone's life easier, then we can also enter the marriage never feeling like, and this is a big trope that I try and communicate about a lot through the platform, we actively are saying, unscribing from the belief that a mother is the stay-at-home financial dependent, Yes, right, on the parent working out of the home. Because as soon as we say, no, this is actually an interdependent family organization and the partner working out of the home is just as dependent on the parent at home to be able to Mm. single task in the workforce, then we look at each other as an interdependent unit and we avoid where women, for example, don't feel comfortable spending on themselves as freely because they don't feel comfortable viewing the household income as shared, but the household income is shared because it is an interdependent organization. So by having that sort of language and those explicit conversations where you're aligning these choices ahead of making them with the family goals and family values, you can sort of walk through and prevent some of these really unfortunately too common pitfalls. It's the, instead of being a you versus me, it's the we, it's us. Mm. And also let's open this up. Why stay at home mother is not a term that we like to use. But what I've heard though, I mean, I remember one woman saying, I want to get my license. I want to have some independence autonomy. And I'm afraid to ask for that because I'm at home and what will my husband think that I want to end up doing or because the cost of it. Or on the flip side, I've heard from a man saying, well, I work all day. So when Mm -hmm. I come home, you know, I've earned all of this money. I don't feel like I should have to then come home and participate because I'm the one bringing in the money. And it is these, I think what you're saying here is instead of moving from this like dependency from one person on the other, it's the twining together, the tethering of a family Because without one person, the other doesn't run. They Mm -hmm. both go back and forth. And yeah, it's such a common thing that I hear from mothers who are in the pause saying, I shouldn't buy the thing. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. go get skincare or go get my hair done because Mm -hmm. I'm not working and making my own money. And it's so important to also remember, and it's unfortunately one of the other tropes that haunts women in career breaks or career downshifts is this idea that because they've shifted to make room for family life, that is now the only thing they should focus on and that they don't have the right to paid help or help at all. And the reality is no one should be expected to work 24 seven, right? And no one should be expected to work and do work and keep themselves healthy and, and, and all alone. And It is in everyone's best interest in a family organization, thinking of it that way, to carry on that metaphor that, you know, both players and partners stay healthy and whole. And having the explicit conversations in not just when you're planning for one partner to make a shift, but also during checking in regularly. My husband and I do a check-in every single week, but then a monthly check-in on budget. And what do we each need? What does our household need to set ourselves up for success? And if that means reallocating funds from the budget around the luxury of travel to, you know, cleaning or household Mm -hmm. maintenance, then Mm -hmm. then we're, then what we're allowing ourselves to do is to be able to talk about investments, not in the service of one person, but in the service of the entire family and really reframing the idea of Wet investments in wellness, whatever that wellness looks like as an investment for the whole family. Mm. What did it look like for you? 
in terms of making this decision and coming to this place, how did you decide to take the pause? So I had a very traditional, on the surface, very successful career. I'd I'd gotten into the best business school in the world after close to decade-long career in marketing. I went to Stanford and I left and there were really high expectations of what I was going to do. You know, when you have all the outward markers of crashing the glass ceiling, as they call it. Um, the next thing. So right. it sounds, also sounds very painful when you, when you think of it that way. But, you know, in 2014, when I graduated Stanford, lean in was the rallying cry. Meanwhile, I was starting my family. My husband was starting his own tech company. And if you know startups, especially in that sector, it can be really intense. Mm-hmm. And I was running brand at a startup where there was a lot of pressure. And I could feel myself falling into a lot of the traps around the hustle culture, around competitiveness, that there was only room for one woman at the top and 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 a lot of these sort of old workplace qualities that were creating stress for me. And then I had my child and I was sitting in the rocker with him in the middle of the night and I felt a peace that I had been longing for for so long. You know, a peace that I really hadn't had since that year I took off between high school and college. And I felt, and I, it's why I started with that story, that I was coming back to myself. And I said, you know what? I need this. This is what I want. And I wasn't ready and my family wasn't ready to make that leap financially. I didn't know if I was ready to make that leap from an identity perspective. I think I needed a learning time. So I actually downshifted first, which I often recommend to people if they're feeling that tension is see what the in-between feels like. Mm. So I downshifted. I negotiated two days in the workplace. And then I spent the rest of the time at home. And I was fully at home with my son for the remainder of the time. And during those days at home, I felt like the best version of myself again. And I felt like, you know, identity is such a hot topic, but I felt like away from the title and away from the workplace dynamics, I was rediscovering what lit me up and what was true about myself. And at the same time, I was getting a lot of commentary about the stay-at-home mom. And if I was bored, if I was going to return full time, if I felt really traditional, like a housewife, and and I was meeting all these incredible, ambitious, thoughtful women in some version of the gray area. And I was saying, wait a second, these stigmas that I'm hearing in people's reactions to me do not match the women I'm meeting Hmm. that are making their own sets of conscious pauses and downshifts. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm ready for a new narrative. I'm ready to start a new narrative to represent this new version of the woman saying, yes, I'm ambitious. And yes, I'm leaning into family life for a chapter. And that's, um, I started Mother Untitled in 2017, initially planting the seeds for it because I left work fully at that time. So I took about a year to test out the downshift. And then I realized, wait a second, A, I want to be fully at home. And B, I want to start creating a new narrative for what that means. And so it was a slow evolution of decisions that led me to a clarity of both what I wanted to be doing and how I wanted to be spending my time. But 100% trusting that pause led me to now building a platform of real meaning alongside family life.
you've shared already that something that is so important and as a couples therapist, I loved hearing you say this is how important that weekly meeting is, that weekly mm. touch point, that we prioritize that. And then we also do it monthly. How important was that in those early days? So my husband and I, and I, I would only share what he feels comfortable sharing. And I would say it was challenging to re-meet each other. In this game. First of all, you're re-meeting in any, no matter what your choices are around work and family, every couple is re-meeting each other once they become parents, right? Because they are evolving, their priority sets are evolving, their time is changing, the needs in the household are changing. So sorry, I, I just, I really want people to hear that this this idea of re-meeting each other. We often think that we are this constant shape and form moving through these seasons and stages of life. And yet this idea of how do we then continue to explore and grow and expand and re-meet each other to redefine these things, right? I I think Mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful, I I haven't heard this before. So I just really wanted to emphasize the re-meeting. It's beautiful. Mm. Yes. And I would say for us, I mean, my husband's biggest complaint about me, you know, his biggest critique of me was I used to take work too seriously. So for me to say to him, actually, by the way, I just fully want to be at home with my son. I mean, he was actually concerned. He was concerned that I wouldn't get fulfillment out of it. And I was saying to him, I want you to see me in this new version that I actually am happy. Actually, your doubts and insecurities are making me feel that way. And we would sort of go back and forth. And it it took investing in couples therapy to really be able to hear each other. And I could hear from him, his worries. I was prioritizing our children over myself and him. And he could hear me that his doubt in me actually feeling joy in this stage of life Mm. was feeling shameful, shame-inducing in some way. And so we really, we really leaned on that period of time. And then when we, when we were able to really see each other and get to know each other in regards to these new sets of values and better align on what this choice meant for our family system and how much help we needed to keep our whole family feeling supported. I think we instituted the budget meetings first, and it was a really powerful way of making sure that I didn't bow out of finances just because I wasn't doing paid labor. It was a great moment for me to advocate the worth of my unpaid labor, Mm -hmm. which I would emphasize to anyone has flexed their work to make room for family life, that the work that they're doing has immense value. And to be able to advocate for that and come back to that and have a moment to check in on that allowed us again to just feel like a team organization navigating this and make sure that we were both bought in. And then we started doing these more regular check-ins ahead of the week to basically say, how do we each get our needs supported? Because Tracy, you and I have talked about this, that my husband had this fantastic way of just basically saying like, I need to get to the gym. Um, when's best for me to do that? And meanwhile, I would go through the whole day hoping that he said to me like, now it's your turn. And he said to me one day, like, I will always advocate for what I need and ask you how to make sure that those needs get met Mm. and how is best to do that. Meanwhile, I can't do that for you, but I need you to do that for yourself because otherwise you're going to resent me and you're going to be worn out. And so he really educated me on how to do that. And usually we'll try to do that ahead of the week so that we know, okay, 
he wants to handle drop off on this day so he can go to the gym the other day. And I want him to handle bedtime so I can see my girlfriend for a drink, mm-hmm. on, you know, and so. So for those listening, yes. please know that you are responsible for being the fierce advocator of your own needs. Mm-hmm. And you need to step into that space because you you lose yourself. When you lose yourself, you lose being able to give to your family in an authentic way. You lose being able to give to your partner and that we can't keep waiting to find that moment, mm-hmm. the moment of when I can rather than carving it out. And it, I don't know if this is what you guys do, but something that we've been trying to be more regular about, especially coming out of COVID is around what is our Tuesday? So having a regular schedule of I'm going to take Tuesday night and he takes Wednesday night and then mm-hmm. Tuesday comes around and I'm, I don't feel like it. You know, I really could just do bedtime. Sure, I'll just do mm-hmm. that. It's like, no, mm-hmm. Tracy, Tuesday is yours. You have to go out. And if mm. it's, right. So that that regular predictable piece works for us as a way to say, Same. nurture your identity. Same. Same. And it also... I think forces you to carve out that space. I actually think for people who have a hard time looking for those opportunities or advocating on a regular basis, their needs and wants, having a schedule is a fantastic way to get ahead of that. You know, for a while when this worked for us, we would alternate mornings waking up with the kids. Mm -hmm. That does not work anymore because we decided to throw a dog into the equation and that changed everything. But when we web public service announcement, you know, when you get a dog, just know it's going to upend every schedule that you thought you had in place. But we used to alternate mornings. Our kids wake up at six. So the other person had till 730, you know, and that was a way to consistently know you are going to get this predictable window of time. And it's also, by the way, for women on career pauses or downshifts where they have flexible schedules, it can be really hard. One of the things I see over and over again is that when men have flexibility, they have no shame in prioritizing themselves and and, and using that flexibility for their own well-being. When women have flexibility, we use it between family and work and there's no margin in between. So I know that so well. <laughs> I do as well. I do as well. And I'm so guilty of it. And mm-hmm. I am... Um, seasonally trying to recommit to finding that margin in my days because it does it does start showing up as resentment if not because mm-hmm. then you say like storm around and say like I haven't had a shower and I mean like, it's ridiculous <laughs> like you should shower I should shower take the shower go and take the shower it's the mental loops our brains our our minds are so powerful on spinning narratives that are often not e- even true that. Mm-hmm. Yes, perhaps in the past, your partner might have said, no, like bedtime's too hard right now. Can you stay and be with me and the kids and help me? And then remembering that we all evolve and change over time. And also remembering that our partners are also capable of doing hard things. But when we continue to buy into those narratives and stories of, I always need to be around, or this should be done a certain way, right? We can start to expand those beliefs that keep us stuck and not nurturing our identities we need that peace and revisiting that for our children Mm. i think that one of the things that i'm guilty of especially my youngest was young during the pandemic and i am conscious of the fact that because of that i underestimate her 
ability to flex and use situations with new people. And so I'm far different interesting at getting a date night babysitter, for example. And honestly, I just haven't given her enough of a chance. Yes, there are data points that I've assembled to prove that, no, that's really hard. And to your point, we are all evolving beings and we are all capable of hard things. And we need to do the best we can do to nurture the whole family system. And sometimes that means revisiting those challenging things and introducing by experimenting and toggling with the things that can keep us all feeling the most supported. How do we support the women who are saying, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom? Mm -hmm. And I know you tackle that a lot on your platform and in the work that's coming up, which I'm so excited for. How do we help support these mothers, these women? You know, just a mom is like one of the things that has held women back in this chapter. I think a lot of it is antiquated. And you were asking before uh, about why stay-at-home mom is such a, Mm -hmm. you know, such a heavy phrase. And a lot of it is that the words, I mean, you hear working mom, which is a verb, right? And stay-at-home, which is passive. And it implies you're shut in. If you've ever been on a career break for caregiving, you know that like there's nothing about it that is shut in or stagnant or in one place. And I think one of the things that we've inherited is this idea that you're not progressing and you're not doing and you're not purposeful if you are choosing to be caregiving for a period of time or being a homemaker. Mm-hmm. And the reality of the modern day version of a woman on a pause or downshift for family life is that Again, going back to this idea of a vast gray area, you're doing immense work through conscious parenting. You know, our generation of parents are tasked with some of the most challenging, interesting, nuanced parenting conversations that unlock so much immense growth. If that's all you did, that would be immense work. On top of that, women have an opportunity like never before to be digitally connected to learning opportunities, to communities, to volunteering to content creation, to content, you know, they're absorbing and they're learning. And there's so much learning and connection and community and exploring that is happening. There are very few, quote unquote, stay at home mothers of today that don't have some degree of connection to learning opportunity or creative exploration or part-time work. Those walls are coming down. And so being able to, like we were talking about before, unlock ourselves from some of these shut in boxes and limiting titles and just say, I'm, you know, right now I'm I'm with my kids and I'm exploring what comes next. Done. Like that, you know, it implies so much more openness and you are still in the game. And I think by belittling or, or labeling our work in one finite way, we shut ourselves off or count ourselves out before we deserve to be counted out. This minimization of what actually, what's the actual lifting that we're doing And putting ourselves in a box and discounting what is being done during that time, the ways of being, the conscious parenting, my goodness, it's not just about how you are setting loving boundaries and validating emotions with children, but the other heavy lift of going inside of ourselves and saying, Mm -hmm. wow, why am I so triggered when my child screams at the top of their lungs? What was it like for me when I did this? And what am I working on? And it's just a heavy lift. That we're I mean, doing. that is the work of all the things, of all the things that I've done alongside parenting, including the volunteering, including building this platform, 
and now writing this book, the most significant work I've done is in going inside and healing the belonging, healing the the pain and trauma around that. Not because I felt like, oh, I suddenly have room for this, but because I suddenly had the greatest motivation, you know, because I was mm-hmm. looking at my children and saying, I don't want to struggle with the fact that my child is shy and make them into something they're not just because of my stuff about wanting to be accepted and wanting to be liked. And if children in the act of parenting can motivate us to grow in such a powerful way, not just in the like, you know, day-to-day skills around leadership and communication and empathy, but in this deeper way, your career paths can be your ultimate power move. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just so powerful to walk this different, not different, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but this outside of the box. It's not this all or nothing. It's finding what mm-hmm. feels aligned for you and for your family. Just circling, there's this piece earlier, you said values. I know sometimes people trip up on, it's like, I don't know what my values are. Mm. What, what does it actually look like? What would you say to others who struggle to know what their values are? You know, one of the most powerful exercises I did was to draw, it came to me in the pandemic when I was having a moment of feeling overwhelmed. I just took a little bit of time and I drew a picture. I drew a picture of my ideal state, what I was wearing, where I was, what my children were doing, what my husband and I were interacting like. And I don't think that's, you know, I like, I like art. I don't think it always has to be visual. It can be ripping magazines if you like visuals, but you don't like to draw. It can mm-hmm. be writing it out. And oftentimes when you look at it or you read it, if you if you chose to write, it will expose to you what you truly value. Mm. It'll actually reveal, you know, I found myself doing this the other day and it surprised me because, you know, I'm obviously at a growth moment for the business and the platform. And I thought, oh, my vision must have changed. Like, I wonder what. And yet when I did this exercise, it revealed that I still value simplicity. I still value a slower pace. I still value instilling a love of slow for my family. And it was really, it's something I'm working through because it's it's at odds with a lot of the expectations of me and my work right now. And, but I think you can't get to the truth of values until you give yourself both the quiet and the room to imagine what that ideal state is. No, if no one's judging you or telling you. Mm, if no one is judging or telling you that's that piece Mm. there right not Mm -hmm. comparing yourself to other people not seeing what someone's ideal state is in therapy I often ask my clients imagine yourself in 20 years and you are living a meaningful life I can't guarantee that you're happy because we don't get to guarantee that in life Mm -hmm. you're going to have pain painful experiences loss joy but imagine you're living a meaningful life and you're doing things that are important to you what does that look like What does it feel like? What would you be doing? Or even imagining at your 80th birthday party, what your three dearest loved ones would say about you and the things Mm -hmm. you have done. And then if we even think more short term, imagine yourself in six months. What would it look like to be completely aligned, walking your path on a journey to what is meaningful? I often mm-hmm. say like, you know, imagine yourself climbing a mountain and sometimes that is a hard road versus, oh, look at that path over there. That's an easy one. Maybe I can just take that one because it's mm-hmm. not, it's not going to be an easy choice. 
I think imagining the key, like if you hear giving yourself space to imagine void of other people's expectations. And I mean, to bring this conversation full circle, you talked about the noise, the noise in parenthood mm-hmm. and that noise, if we let ourselves succumb to it, can create an inner conflict that is often what we feel is the most challenging to navigate. And often when I hear women struggling, it's because they're balancing others' expectations, their expectations they might have inherited for themselves, the beliefs that they have around what is success, what is productivity, what is con- what is work, and they're struggling with making sense of that with what they truly want. So the person who taps into this then, and I know this is something that shows up in your space, what about the person struggling to ask for help? Or they feel like they don't have a right to ask for help. I hear this one all the time. How can I ask for help? They're at work all day. I'm at home. Mm-hmm. We're back to the box definition. But what's your advice or guidance to that it, that individual? It is the single biggest thing I've heard across 200 interviews with women in, in the gray area is if I'm doing not doing paid work, I don't deserve help. Oh, and we've the deserving. Yes. And it's this idea that we have to earn the right to be well. And I go back to this idea of no one can work 24 seven. No one can show up for their children day over day and do that work, that exhausting work without support mm-hmm. and shouldn't be expected to. And whether that help comes from your partner, from extended family, from paid help. Everyone has the right to examine what can keep them feeling healthy because that benefits the whole family system. That investment in help, whether it's paid or unpaid, does not just serve you as an individual. It serves the entire family system. Your children grow as a result of understanding that there are other people beyond their mother um, Mm. or the parent on pause who can take care of them. Your children grow because they get to see you model for them what it's like to take care of yourself and be healthy and whole. Your family system thrives because they have a co-leader in the organization who is at their best self, just like your partner deserves to be at their best self. Mm -hmm. And that is a conversation to, like many of the other conversations, continue to come back to on a regular basis. How do we support each other as, in the case of a two-parent household, be the healthiest, most whole versions of ourselves so our family systems can thrive? And how do we budget accordingly? You know, I heard someone say, and I hate saying this to a therapist, and I would never advise this, but I heard someone say in an interview the other day that for a period of time, she shifted the cadence of her therapy because she was doing the cost calculation. And she said, wait a second, on the weeks I don't do therapy, I can get seven hours of childcare or six hours of childcare. And that childcare lets me be able to see a friend, exercise, and take care of my well-being in a way that also serves me alongside therapy. And it's a conscious decision. And I think having conscious, deliberate conversations around budgeting mm-hmm. and including your own wellness and well-being inside of that, it is just as important of a line item as your kid's entertainment and their soccer class. Yes. Or their snowsuits, because you know we're replacing yeah. snowsuits every single year. And that's the family budget, right? I remember one of the most freeing things for me. I'm thinking when my second was born, I was spending every weekend solo parenting with the kids. So I was home for the year and I wanted that. I wanted, I actually extended a little bit longer than the year versus when I was home with my first. 
And there were two really big markers for me that shifted that needed to happen. One was my mom was visiting around maybe the two month mark. And she had said, why don't you get a cleaner in? And initially I spiraled into shame saying, because my house isn't clean enough. She said, no, because I see how overwhelmed you are and you can't do it all. And that was a huge shift. So we had to go back to the budget and look to see how we can manage that. So that was one. And then the other one was acknowledging that in the structure we were living in, which was Greg having to work on the weekends and me with the kids, with both the kids. It was too much, plus the dog who has their own set of needs and demands. And so we decided, I decided to bring in a teenager in the neighborhood as a mother's helper. I think it was one day on the weekend or maybe both. I can't remember. She would come for one to two hours. And I had to bump up against those thoughts of, I'm not a good enough mom because I can't do it all on my own. Or this is shameful because I have someone coming to support me. And and instead framing this as like my care team. These are all of the people Mm. who help me be my best self so that I'm not like I was the few weeks earlier where I am yelling at my son because I'm so overwhelmed and overstimulated Mm. from how many hours of solo parenting, of being with them. And it was really a huge shift of giving that permission to myself of I have to do this for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I think that honesty, unfortunately, I think part of what where the shame comes from is we don't see enough models and transparency around how even in the case of people working full-time out of the home, but definitely not when people have flexibility. So there's, okay. there's no discussion or warmth or excitement around care villages. And the more we can do that, the more we can start to say proudly that we are investing in different forms of help to support our families thrive in whatever structures they're in, the more people will have the confidence that that's a normal part of family dynamics. Mm -hmm. We need to do that. We need to have transparency around. It's actually going back to this idea of the gray area, you know, if you look back to the 1970s and 1960s, when, you know, a lot of the stereotypes around the stay-at-home mother emerged, right? Because of June Cleaver and because, Mm. I mean, I can really get into the history if you want, but we didn't show enough of women's stories of the in-between where women were working between drop-off and pickup. And so, the models and the discussion of the gray area and the nuance and the support and the interesting, we lost all of that with these very binary static views of how things should be done. And I think we're at a very exciting moment of re-examining a lot of things. And I'm I'm glad we're, you know, having conversations like these mm-hmm. that just perpetuate a level of honesty and transparency that we all benefit from. Me too. I'm so grateful, Naya, for you being here today. Thank you so much for sitting with me. Before we finish up, where can people find you and get in touch with you and Mother Untitled? You can follow along with the movement on Instagram at Mother Untitled. And you can come to the site for support and resources. And you can follow along at motheruntitled.com slash book dash announcement to get in touch with our, our forthcoming book, The Power Pause, that will be reshaping this conversation and activate the movement further. So if you'd like to get involved with that, you can sign up there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.